This is the Athletics of Business Podcast, Episode 22. Welcome to the Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Welcome to the Athletics of Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Ed Molitor, and with me today is our special guest, Ron Alvesteffer. Ron is the president and CEO of Service Express, and during his tenure, Ron has helped Service Express define its market and create a unique performance-driven culture for employees. Service Express's core value to work with our employees to help them achieve their personal, professional, and financial goals creates opportunities for employee achievement and has led to outstanding individual and team performances resulting in individual and company success. As a result, Service Express has been named one of the best and brightest companies to work for in the nation five years in a row. Service Express has also been named to the 8-5000 list of fastest growing private companies in America 10 of the past 11 years, as well as one of the top 25 best small companies by Forbes magazine. Under Ron's leadership, Service Express has averaged double-digit revenue growth year over year and has expanded the geographic footprint nationally. Ron implemented Service Express's performance measurement system, SR5, which tracks monthly and quarterly goals and results. A company focused on delivering exceptional customer service is the basis for Service Express's industry-leading net promoter score of 84. Ron also authored the ebook, The Service Express Way, Values and Principles of a Growing Company. In it, Ron shares the beliefs and philosophies along with real-life stories from the field that have driven these remarkable results, and we look forward to Ron sharing those with us today. Ron, welcome to the Athletics of Business podcast, and I am honored, humbled, and fired up to have you here and joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, and I am really excited to just jump right in and start talking about uh, the Service Express way and what you do and and your journey. And and why don't you take us back and a little bit about how you got to where you are now, and, and, and we'll get into the Service Express way. Yeah. So, I mean, going going way back, I mean, I graduated from Central Michigan University uh, in the early 90s with a teaching degree. Uh, I think I took one business class uh, through through college, and I, I won't share what grade I got in it. Um, <laughs> but you know, teaching sounded like a great idea when I was coming out of school. I was going to high school. I was going to teach. I was going to coach. And by the time I graduated, I was 22 years old. It just it didn't really appeal to have the same appeal to me. And uh, so I decided, you know, I thought I wanted to try my hand at sales where I felt like I, sales was like the closest thing to athletics, I thought, where you compete every day, you win or you lose every day. And if you win more than the other person, you're rewarded for it. And if you lose more than the other person, right, then uh, I guess you're rewarded for that as well. And so I, I started building a sales career by selling health club memberships for a year. And then I got a real estate license. I sold a house. I decided that's not what I wanted to do. I sold long distance services. I'll date myself on that a little bit with you know, that used to be a thing. And uh, uh, then ended up uh, moving to Nashville, Tennessee for three years. And really at that point latched on with a, with a, with a really cool small business that uh, companies outsource their sales force to and, and uh, called contract sales managers. And I, I really learned a lot about uh, the art of sales, uh, the art of growing a business, um, 
really the structure to it and the rhythm to it. And I, and I applied all those lessons when I joined Service Express then uh, in 1997. That's when, I, that's when I joined here. And so I came in as the, a sales manager, the first, the first manager hired by the, by the founder. I was the 15th employee. Wow. We had four offices. Uh, you know, we were less than $3 million in revenue. And I took over all sales activities. Uh, I had four salespeople and kind of worked towards growing the company. And in 2002, I was named president by the founder. He left the day-to-day operations of the business. And so I took it over, you know, created my executive team. And uh, we've been together since and, uh, uh, you know, partnered with private equity three and a half years ago. And I'm the, I'm the CEO. And now we're 450 employees, over 100 million revenue, and went from four offices to 48 and counting. Wow. So it's been quite a journey. That's amazing. I mean, you started in 1997. You were the first sales manager and 15th employee. And here you are today. At what point did you realize this explosive growth was going to happen? You know, it's funny because it didn't feel explosive. It was just, it was just double digit growth every year. That was the mantra. That was what mm-hmm. I was hired to do. And so we never had one big year where it was like, you know, wham, like just all of a sudden right. you this huge growth where we doubled or anything. And in fact, in the, uh, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands, the, the dot com, you know, companies were growing, getting huge valuations. And, and sometimes we'd look at each other like, man, we're only growing like 20% a year. What's wrong with us? Right. Well, it turns out 20% a year, every single year, uh, you know, <laughs> adds up to something pretty cool. So yeah, it, we, we, it felt like we kind of had a chance to grow into it, honestly, which was really neat. Yeah. That, and when that, when that started happening, talk a little bit about that though. When the, when the dot-com bust happened and you looked at yourself and that 20% growth e- each year, is that when you realized that you were definitely doing things the right way? I think it did. I did think it did feel like it, right? Kind of felt like it validated us. Like, okay, companies can come and go. They can have explosive growth and then crash. And we just want to stay the course of what we feel we're good at and what we can keep up with. We're a service company. And so, you know, we never wanted to grow so fast that we couldn't keep up with the service we were providing. Because I felt like that was going to uh, potentially would crash us in, right? If we started losing these customers that we worked so hard to get, that did not seem to make sense to me. Uh, and we have a 98% customer retention rate. We have an 84 net promoter score. So wow. service is very important to us. We work really hard to deliver a great experience, the best experience possible whenever we get a new customer. And how do you do that? You know, there's always the game changer or the separator or the differentiator, whatever you want to say, but what is it about you that really um, captiv- captivates people? And like, you know what, that is exactly why we use them. You know, I think we block and tackle really well. I mean, sometimes people can get so uh, focused or unfocused and trying to do think something fancy, something new, crazy, and exciting. I mean, we show up. We take your call with a, with a live person. We answer your call. We call you back within 10 minutes with your service engineer. Wow. We tell you when we're going to be out there. And we show up on time with the part in hand. We provide service on uh, computer hardware inside large corporate data centers. And we, we show up with the part in hand and we fix you the first time. We do exactly what we say we're going to do. And in fact, even as, as, as hard as we sell and we tell a great story, we, 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 over-prom- we, don't, we under-promise and over-deliver. We exceed that, those expectations. And so it's really just executing, being true to your word and becoming a trusted advisor for your clients. That's, that's what we have found. 
And that all starts with the people and the amount of value that you pour into your people is amazing. And I want to jump right into this and talk about your, your core value to work with our employees to help them achieve their personal, professional, and financial goals. Can we talk about that? Absolutely. I love to talk about it. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I've got a teaching degree uh, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm not a technology guy. Right. So here I am, the CEO of a technology company. Uh, you know, how, how does this happen? Well, when I was named president in 2002, you know, I kind of, I looked at how we were set up as a company, what we were really good at and looked at what I was passionate about. And I'll go back to teaching and coaching, you know? And so I, I thought, I, you know, I'm not going to win the business game necessarily or win the technology game as far as an expertise, you know, my, my people will, but we can win the people game. And it's all, it all starts with surrounding yourself with the right people. And, and the right people mean the right people for, for your company. So the right people for us who are passionate about being committed to each other, to being part of something special, part of something bigger than themselves. And so we wanted to, wanted to create this environment, this culture, where we could, we could hire the best talent and create an environment where they could do their best work and be recognized and rewarded for it. And so that's when we came up with our, we called it our vision at the time, because this was our vision, our BHAG at the time, big, hairy, audacious goal, yep. as Jim Collins teaches us, was $100 million in revenue by the year 2020. And we were $7 million in revenue at the time. So it just seemed like, how are we ever going to get there? Right. We said, we're going to surround ourselves with the right people. We're going to figure out what they want to achieve. And if we can help them achieve their goals on a personal, professional, financial level, our company goals will be blown out of the water. Uh, and so that's what we set out to do. And, and it really started with how our founder acted and behaved and treated us. We just said, all right, we want to be purposeful about this. We want to scale this. And we want this to be at the core. Now we call it our core value because it's so ingrained in us. Right. The core of what we do and who we are. Mm -hmm. we, we, we set off from there and you know, funny thing, it works. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty amazing when, when you align everything you do and your behaviors and your activity with your core value, how that works itself out, isn't it? It really does. I mean, we unashamedly put our people first above mm -hmm. our customers, above yeah. anybody, because yeah. if we take great care of our people, they're going to take amazing care of our customers. And, and that works. That, that happens right there. And so we said, again, we're going to win uh, through our through our culture and through the environment which we which we have here and you know I'd love to talk about culture for a minute if you don't mind because I think no absolutely get that word confused a little bit and they think you know they read stories and stuff and they think it's all ping pong tournaments foosball tables <laughs> you know having parties office parties and things right. like that and look at that is that is all part of it that is all having a lot of fun at work and we've right. done and do all of those things but culture, a real meaningful culture, I believe, in a company is that our people know that the work they do matters. Mm -hmm. They know how they have an impact on the company. All right. And then they're recognized and rewarded for that. I think that's where you get true buying and culture. If somebody shows up every day without a purpose and thinks, is what I'm doing right now even matter? Mm -hmm. Does anybody even notice? I think you get lack of engagement. Right. We measure everything through our company and every individual in the company, including myself, has a measurable job description and we review it with our leaders every month. And so you're getting recognized every month for the job that you're doing. You know exactly how what you do impacts the company, impacts other teams and how you're a part of this growth story that we're on. And I think that's where you get deep in employee engagement and commitment. And that's a great culture. It is great. 
It's a great culture. And, you know, as we talk about with our brand, the Athletics of Business and the podcast here, uh, the behaviors and traits of the high-performing teams and athletes are, are the same ones that are key to your success in business. And I've always, in, in my years coaching college basketball and, and being around the game of basketball, I love programs um, as well as organizations. And this is what I love about your organization. You have a culture that's worth fighting for. I mean, your people will do whatever it takes to, to keep that culture going. Is that true? Yeah, they amaze me every day. I mean, they, they are an amazing group of people. I'm, I'm, I'm just blessed to be part of it, honestly. They raise the bar so high for me, you know. <laughs> um, it, it is awesome. It, it, yeah. it really is. And, you know, and we, 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 we surround ourselves with people. We hire people and track people that a lot of times come from other companies, other cultures where they weren't recognized. They didn't know if their work mattered. Nobody paid attention to them. Nobody asked them about their goals until they were leaving. They're like, well, wait a minute. Why are you leaving? Well, because I'm going over here. Well, what do you want to achieve? Like, it's too late. Right. Like, I've, you know, somebody's already asked. They asked me, you know, early on, we're going to lead with that. You, I've been here for years and you've never asked me. And so it's, uh, you know, it's really powerful to come in there and, and for people to be respected and, 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 again, recognized and feel valued, feel they're part of something bigger than themselves, part of something special. And that's what we're continuing to try to create here. And not to be the master of an obvious and the master of the obvious, and you'll laugh at me here, Ron, but I just want to hear from you. How significant is it in the hiring process and the recruiting process for you to find folks? Yes, obviously, they have to be talented. They have to have the skills and the knowledge and the credibility. But how important is it to, for them to be a fit into your culture? It's the most important thing, right? It is absolutely the most important thing. I don't care how good you are you know, how much you can sell, how, how technically smart you are, anything like if you, if you're not a fit for our culture. And, and I want to be clear on that too. Like we have a, we have a culture and a mindset that works for us. And, you know, if someone's not a fit, it doesn't mean they're a bad person, right? Or it doesn't mean we're right and they're wrong, right? We're just looking for, you know, people that have the same view of how to take care of the customer, how to work together, you know, and, and, and how to drive results that way that we do. And ours is not the only way. And so we're just really looking for that culture fit. But, you know, to your, to your point and your question, if, if we're not aligned right there, like we need to figure that out during the interview process, because if they come, you know, it doesn't happen often, but <clears throat> it happens once in a while. It's just not a good fit. They're frustrated. We're frustrated. And, it, it, you know, we'd rather just, for both sides, we'd just rather avoid that up front. Right. In, in, you know, by saying fit into your culture, we don't mean that they, they don't think outside the box and they're not different in certain things, but it's, it's in the authenticity. It's in being a part of something bigger than yourself. And it is, you know, what are some of the key indicators for you when you go through that hiring process that someone is a, a fit? Yeah. And you're, by the way, you're exactly right. It's not like we all have group think. I, you know, I don't care about your background. I don't care, you know, religion. I don't care, you know, right. politics, all that stuff that can, I want that all as you know, diverse as, right. as it can be, because that creates a, a healthy mix. But when it comes yeah. to, again, how do we work together? How do we take care of the customer? What's our commitment when we give our word that we live up to that? You know, what's our effort, our grit, those things, those are things that, you know, um, that we just don't waver on. And so we ask a lot of questions around it. I mean, we ask very few questions around, can you do the job or not? I mean, we, we certainly want to know if you have the aptitude, but we can figure out pretty quickly if from your sales results and track record, or by asking you questions around technology or around, you know, finance or operational processes, whatever it is we're recruiting for, you can figure out 
if people have the skill for that pretty quickly. So after that, it's all about, are they, you know, a new term that, that, I'm, that I'm using that, that I heard uh, a gentleman named Paul Spiegelman from Small Giants use was, are they like-hearted people, right? Mm-hmm. Not as much like-minded, yes, but like-hearted. Right. Uh, and that's what we're looking for. And, and we just interview for evidence of that. And in their answers, you know, is it me, me, me? Or was it team, team, team? Right. Give me examples, you know, in the past of how you've worked together, solved problems, went the extra mile, things in that nature. And, and the patterns begin to emerge. Yep. Um, and I think the other thing we do is <clears throat> we put a lot of this out there. I mean, I have a blog. We're on social media. Um, I wrote an ebook. People read that. And I think, you know, you're either attracted to that message or you're not. And I, th- I think it's been, been great that way that the people who are really attracted to it, you can tell. I mean, they come right in. They've read everything, and they're like, I have to be part. I thought maybe I was happy at my other job. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it until now that I've read this. Like, I have to be here. And, and some people are like, you know, that sounds good, but it's probably not for me. Right. And again, that is okay. Well, it's fine. It solves a lot of problems before Absolutely. they happen. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question because in in the basketball world, in the college basketball world, and and you see these people build these programs up, and they'll talk about how it's harder to sustain that level of success than it was to get there. And whether that's true or not, but that feeling, I mean, how hard is it or how challenging and how weary of, of blind spots do you have to be now that you have this amazing culture, this powerful culture, and you want to make sure that not just sustain it, but you keep growing it? Yeah. You know, I think the biggest thing is we're, we're very intentional and we're very purposeful about our culture. And so, uh, you know, your people are going to have, companies are going to have cultures, whether they want them or not, one will emerge. Right. And so you can either be purposeful and intentional about it, or you can just let it happen. And the same is for us. In fact, it's, you know, not only company wide, but we have 48 offices. So every, every office will have a culture. And so we want to hire for it. Uh, we want to promote for it. We want to train for it. Um, you know, we, when we bring, when we hire people on their first six months, they're figuring out how to do their job and, 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 uh, getting their feet under them that way. We do a training class uh, about four or five times a year where we bring in, uh, new hires that have been with us at least six months. So they've kind of figured out their, their job and their role in the day to day. And we bring them back and we teach a class called the service express way. And, and I'm part of it. Uh, my executive team is part of that class, uh, it, you know, has a role in teaching it. And we teach not what we do in business, but how we do it and what our culture is and what it looks like here. Uh, we truly try to put the term we use, put skin on it, right? So you can right. see it, you can understand it, you know what works, you know the why behind it, which is always important to explain the why behind things and say, you know, this is just who we are. And now we want you to be ambassadors of our culture. It's not going to come just from me or just from some executive. It's got to it's come from every person in every department and every office within this, within this whole company. And so we're just very intentional about it. Right. And, and what is the, to feel that culture, to see that culture come alive in the, you said 48 different offices and, and having a culture inside the culture, if that makes sense, like each office is going to have a unique environment, a unique culture. Um, how do you foster that? How do you encourage that? Yeah, I think a lot, a lot through, through leadership, you know, again, through promoting the right leaders, through hiring the right leaders who, who, who have that servant leadership mentality, uh, you know, because it really starts there. I mean, the fish stinks from the head down, right? If I'm not living it, my executive team are a leader, then, mm-hmm. then we're going to have issues, right? And, and we really build around a servant leadership model, which is putting other people's needs before ours, 
by understanding, I have a Zig Ziglar quote right outside my office, which is really like my life quote, which is you can get everything you want out of life if you just help enough other people get what they want. Yep. Love and it. so we set that tone, we hire for it, we celebrate it, we promote for it, we give raises for it. That's the type of person we're looking for. And, and again, it's so cool around here. Like I talk about servant leadership, like it's like hard to outserve somebody. Everyone's trying to serve <laughs> everybody else. Honestly, it's like, right, yeah. it, is, it is hard to do. It's, it's a great, <laughs> it's a great problem to have. Well, think about if our society did that though, how, how much better off would we be? It'd be unbelievable. I mean, my wife has told me before, like I live in a bubble here at Service Express because it is just not the same world that you certainly hear about on the news or right. see on Twitter and in and, and that nature. I mean, it really is a special place. And, and I love being a part of it. It gives me energy. Um, it impacts every facet of my, of my life. And it's just the most amazing people to be. They're amazing. Yeah, when you pass them, we don't look like Superman. Right. But you get to the heart of the person and what they will do for you. And I tell when people hire in here, they're, you know, their first week, I said, I tell them all, you could call anybody in our company right now, introduce yourself, tell them it's the, your first week here and that you have a question and they would bend over backwards to help you find the answer to that question and help you in any way possible. And we don't train that. We just hire for it. Right. right? And then create an environment where it's celebrated and rewarded. Again, that, that's a big part of it. Yeah, that, that is absolutely huge. And, and, you know, and yeah, folks, and like your wife makes a great point, you live inside this bubble. This is a world you created that you folks created. And one of the ways you do that, if we can segue into that real quick, um, is helping your employees with their goals. This is, this when we were talking a few weeks back, I mean, and you can speak to this, I was blown away. I'm like, this is one of the coolest things that I have ever heard. And you were probably ready to hang up on me 10 times because I kept digging into it. Like, are you serious? You really do this. Can you share that with our listener? Yeah, absolutely. You know, our core value, help our employees achieve their personal, professional, and financial goals. And so every employee that comes in, every employee in the company goes through a goal setting process and they write down their goals. What do they want to achieve personally, professionally here at Service Express, financially, um, we keep their goals on our company intranet. They're private. So like their manager can see it. And then on, then on up through to me, like just, just their direct reporting chain. Right. So we have access to it, but nobody else it's private. And twice, twice a year, we have uh, what we call vision talks <clears throat> where the employee sits down with their, with their leader and they review their goals with them and say, here's what I want to achieve. Cause we ask them, we're like, what, where do you want Service Express to play in your life? How can it help you in your personal life? You know, professionally, what are you trying to accomplish? What are your goals? And financially, look, how much money do you want to make? How much money do you want to make next year? How much money do you want to make three years, five years, 10 years from now? And let's work together towards trying to achieve those goals. Now, we don't say, hey, tell us what you want to do and we'll just give it to you, mm -hmm. right? It's to help our employees, to work with them to achieve those goals, right. so to create those opportunities, to give training, to give other opportunities for, for, for them to do that. And, you know, I, I look back on my hired day, August 18, 1997. And I look, you know, I wasn't married. I was going to be married in about six weeks. Right. But I wasn't at awesome. the time, right. no kids, first leadership position as a sales manager. And I think, man, on that day, my life changed, mm -hmm. right? That's the day because of service express, I've been able to achieve more professionally than I ever thought possible. Never dreamed of being a CEO. Financially, I'm doing better than I've ever done financially. And personally, I'm married. I have three amazing kids. They're all teenagers, right? I'm, I get to go to their games. I'm coaching my daughter right now in basketball. Um, you know, when we can get home for dinners together, 
I can be home for dinner. Not every time, but you know, a lot of the times I've got great work-life balance. I get to be the dad I wanted to be, the husband I'm trying to be. And it's all because of Service Express. And Mm -hmm. too often it seems like I've heard, you know, people say like, well, if it wasn't for my job or the company I worked for, I'd like to do these other things. And for us, we want to say, man, because of Service Express, you get to do all of that and more. Right. Right. Think about that. And, and, and how much of this really stems back to the way you do things, you do things with that servant mindset and the mindset that successful teachers and coaches do, which really you think about it, you're fulfilling your original passion, aren't you? I, I really am. I, I really am teaching and coaching. It's just a different field to play, I guess. It's a boardroom, you know, it's in an office environment, it's out in the field with the team. Um, but I, it really does come back to teaching and coaching, very much a coaching mind, mindset for sure. And I love it. And, it's, and if we could just for one second bounce back to the goals, because um, as I read your ebook, which by the way, all, all of that information is going to be in our show notes. And, and I'm telling the listener, just go grab as much of this content and information as you can, because it's so valuable. But one of the things was you talked about tweaking goals when goals change. Can you talk into your whole philosophy and, and your execution of that when that, when that occurs? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's your, your goals evolve as you evolve and some goals you think you have, you know, later turn out to be not as important as you thought and, and other goals rise up. And so this is an ongoing conversation. It's not a one-time event. That's why we do it. We do it formally twice a year. Uh, but really what we teach our leaders is this, this should be really kind of an ongoing conversation as you're getting to know your people. Uh, and care about your people that you understand what is important to them. And, you know, sometimes they change. Somebody might think they want to be in leadership. And then we put them through maybe some leadership development training and some opportunities. Actually, this sort of just happened recently. And somebody says, you know, I really don't think that's for me. I don't think that's where my passion is. I think it's great that we have great leaders, but that's that's not for me. I'd rather be like more the the senior you know, go-to person on the team and really good at what I do. And we said, you know, fantastic. That's, you know, that's great um, to do that. And so we want to be able to adjust them and update them uh, consistently. I remember, you know, a number of years ago having, have an employee and they said, this was before they were married and had kids. And they said, you know, I'd rather uh, have some extra vacation time than as much of an annual raise. Cause I, I like to have, you know, free time and go do some traveling, some other things. And we said, all right, man, if that's important to you and what motivates you, we can do that. You know, and then a few years later, he got married, had a had couple, couple of kids. And he said, you know, man, I, I really don't need as much vacation time. I need money. <laughs> smart, <laughs> you know? smart person, yeah. Yeah, life changes. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, that's why it's, it's a continuous conversation. And it's really a great vehicle to, to have a, uh, you know, a deeper conversation, take time away from the business. And, you know, really to show your people that you care about them, you value them, about, value them, you value what's important to them. And, hey, how can I help you get where you want to go? And, again, knowing that if you do that enough times, you're going to get where you want to go. And, I, you know, I feel, like, I feel like I built my whole career around that. So I'm living proof. I mean, that is so cool. And, and one of the things I love to say is how you do anything is how you do everything. And I remember I used to always tell our players that you, you need to take care of your stuff off the court because it's going to directly affect, you know, impact how you play on the court. Yes. And what I'm getting at is I can only imagine the stories that you hear about how great um, the employees' lives are away from the office, you know, at Service Express, like the, the things that you add to their families, that the organization adds to their families, to their personal life, to the, you know, all of the other stuff besides just work, that has to be pretty rewarding for you. 
It, it's amazing. I'm actually getting chills sitting here as you're talking through that because I'm thinking back uh, to a Christmas party a, a few years ago where, where one of our employees' wives came up, came up to me, and, and uh, this was a field service engineer that in, you know, in, in that environment, sometimes you're on, you're, you're on an on-call rotation 24 seven and yep. in some other companies you can get working 80 hours, 90 hours a week, pretty consistently. Right. And so mm-hmm. she came up to me and she said, I want to thank you for giving me my husband back. Wow. You know, like oh, how now, powerful I, is that? I, it was, I got, I got chills talking about it. Like he's home and when he's home, he's present, he's relaxed. He's not as stressed. This is this company has had such an amazing impact on his life, therefore our life, uh, you know. And I, I mean, that's some of the best feedback that I've ever received. And oh, by the way, when you do that with people, like you think he's going anywhere, his no. wife would never allow it, right? No. And so no. you get just employee commitment and engagement. It just it all works together. Uh, it, so it's been great. And all of a sudden, that becomes a recruiting tool. Um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Referrals, right? Testimonies. Uh, and then people walk in here and, you know, some of the other greatest feedback I've gotten around our people is like, we thought it was good when we went through and we've heard the story and we, we came in when we're here, it's better than we thought. It's, it's like, it's better than we even imagined. And so that's just a testament to our, to the, to our people. Uh, again, it all starts with surrounding ourselves with the right people. So what are, you know, as the listeners sitting here saying, okay, that's great. There has to be some struggle. We all know there has to be struggle sure. to grow. What are some of the, what are some of the struggles or the challenges that you've had to keep the double digit growth going, to keep the culture, to, um, you know, be aware of the blind spots, to keep growing through uh, adversity in the marketplace, what have you, what have been some of the struggles? Yeah. I mean, it's a challenge. I mean, it's so it's, you know, it's a great culture, but we don't all come skipping into work every day, you know, humming a tune. Uh, you know, there's challenges that, that come along with it for sure. And I think, again, though, what separates is the perspective and how you look at a challenge. And I feel like our people, the people we're looking for, they run to the challenges. They want to solve problems. Like you can't keep them away from wanting to be involved in, in helping solve a problem. And, and so I think that gives people energy. Like we're going to have issues. We're a growing company, mm-hmm. you know, and we're doubling about every four years. And so we literally feels like we become a different type of company uh, every four years. And, you know, I think there, there are times when, and when some people may, you know, we've had that can't keep up, won't keep up. You know, I think the underlying thing that people don't like to talk about when you're creating a great culture is that, you know, sometimes somebody's not a good fit for it. Um, or sometimes you've grown past where somebody's, where somebody's at, um, you know, or maybe they hired them in and, and they don't have the right attitude. And that happens here too. And I think, you know, how you, how you select is important, but how you deselect is very important. And I think average companies and companies with Paul, poor cultures don't address issues that they have when they have them. And, and we have stuff that happens here too. The difference is how we address it. You know, that we, hey, we give everybody every chance to get something turned around, mm-hmm. to correct behavior, you know, all, all those things. But when we get to a point, this is the phrase I use all the time and with our employees, that somebody either can't, can't change or won't change, whatever it is. Maybe they can, you know, and they just won't, or maybe they just can't do it. whatever it is. At that right. point, we have to part ways. And it's never fun. It's never easy. It keeps leaders up at night thinking about it. But we look at the big picture. Now I have 450 other families that right. I feel like I'm responsible for right mm-hmm. now, you know. And by the way, the employee is usually unhappy too. Feels like they're not the right fit, and it's just 
I think it's more cruel to keep them on board than it is to just have a straight up conversation to say, it is time to, to part ways. We've tried everything we can. And that usually at that point they know, mm-hmm. and you, you try to try to do it the best you can. You go your separate ways. But you know, I think that's important because some companies they'll they'll just they'll, they'll kind of either whether they promote you know trouble employees or just shift them from one department to another. They never they never address it. And and I think you have a great responsibility to hit the for your people to address those things head on. How do you go about having the difficult conversations? Yeah, we, I always, we walk right into it. We call it the danger zone, right? Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to just sit down and have it. And I'll gut check that really hard in meetings I'm, I'm in. And if, if I hear, you know, as we're, as we're talking or strategizing and somebody's talking about their team member or their frustrations, you know, I'll point blank challenge. Uh, my team especially would be like, have you had that direct conversation with, with your employee? And, then, and sometimes I'll get like, well, yeah, I've kind of said this. I'm like, no, no, there's no kind of. Like if I were to, if I were to, call them up right now, which I may do. And I ask them where those conversations, will they repeat back to me what you said? You know, and you can see a lot of times kind of the sheepish, you know, I'm like, look at, we owe it to them to say exactly whatever we're saying in here. We have to say exactly to them. We owe it to them to give them that feedback. Otherwise, how can they ever correct it? Right. right? And that's walking in the danger zone. And I think the key part of that, and I learned this from a mentor of mine uh, when I lived down in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Tina Mayberry was, you know, if you, if you say it in love, if you lean in, if you, if people know that you care, mm-hmm. you can give that direct feedback. And you probably, you probably think, uh, saw the same thing in coaching, right? If your players knew you really cared about them as people, right. Right. you could be pretty direct with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think my team would tell you, I give direct feedback and, you know, and, and, and I, I strategize hard with them, you know, but they know how much I care about them. I'm doing that because I'm so passionate about what we're doing and about helping them. And so I think if you lead that way, they may not always agree and it might not always be the best conversation, but at the end they'll respect it. They'll appreciate it. Uh, you know, for, we appreciate you for that. So you, you, who's been, who's been your, you just mentioned one influence. Uh, who's been the biggest influence on your career or influences on your career? Yeah, you know, I've I've had I've had a number of them. I mentioned Tina Mayberry, who was so good at that. I mean, we'd have weekly strategy meetings, and the first thing she would do is just sit down and spend 15 minutes. I was new to Nashville, just talking to me. How you doing? What'd you do this weekend? Where have you guys gone? Have you tried this? And she just really took an interest in me as a person, right? Mm-hmm. And started there. And then we'd get to business, but I always felt like Tina cared about me as a person first. And John Maxwell says it. He says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And she really embodied that. So she was great. The founder of the company, Mike McCullough, was fantastic. He really cared about about people. You know, he he challenged me daily. I mean, I used to like, you know, be in his office and you'd just be challenged on things. But I knew he cared about me. I knew he was passionate about people in the company. And and in the in the growth of the company and where everybody could contribute. And, And really our 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 core value is built around his behavior that we just kind of took and, and scaled. So he's been a great mentor. And then, the, you know, I'll also just say, I'll end this with, with my mom. She's, mm-hmm. she's like the most amazing person. She, uh, uh, you know, she has got a, got a great attitude, a can do attitude. You talk about grit and perseverance. She embodies it. 
Um, even, even today she's retired from being a legal secretary and she's like got this thriving pet sitting business that she started cause she loves animals and helped a couple people out, got referrals. And now it's like, I can't hardly get her in town to visit me <laughs> so booked up, you know? And she yeah. just, she always finds a way. And anytime I wanted to do something in my life, she supported me a hundred percent enthusiastically. Never thought that was a crazy idea. She was always like, go for it. You right. should do that. Try it. See right. what happens, you know? And uh, so she's been an amazing role model for me. So how do you turn around and pay that forward to your kids? And, and, you know, are they interested in the business? Do they understand? And they're at that age now in their teen years with the concept of leadership and, and the value of what you do. What are those conversations like? Yeah, you know, it'd be funny to ask them because uh, I just actually had a uh, conversation at breakfast meeting this morning and said, you know, unfortunately, I'm their dad. So they get hit right. with all of this like uh, leadership. Mm -hmm. so you got you got to be a leader. You got to set the example. Like when bad things happen, like so what? Persevere. Life can be hard. Like show, uh -huh. you have to show grit. You can get uh -huh. through this. Like, oh, just like no no excuses. A lot of caring. I mean, I'm there for them. They know I care about them. They know I love them, all that thing. But, but, but it's also, you know, I, I try, I hope I'm not really trying not to be that helicopter or bulldozer parents. Like you got to figure this out. And, right. and, and, you know, uh, I'll brag a little bit here. My oldest son has been captain of the basketball team is, you know, awesome. for years in high school. And, and I, the comments and the feedback we get from teachers on all three kids, it's just been positive. And so I really just try to instill that in them. And my wife is amazing. She, she taught for 13 years, uh, had an incredible career. Um, she really embodies this uh, for the kids as well. And so hopefully, you know, we're giving them a message and hopefully they're seeing it, uh, you know, seeing us live it out. So the old, you know, kids, that you know, they go by more on what they see than what they hear. And so that, that's a high bar that we're trying to live up to as parents and me for sure as their dad. Well, in just in our two conversations that we've had or a few conversations that we've had, one of the cool things about it is it's just a way of life for you. It's not like you have to be um, real systematic about how you have the conversations with your kids or with your employees. It's just, it's what you do. It's just the way you are. It's just your servant mindset. So the fact that they're going to be around that all the time, uh, it's no shock that um, they're getting good reports and your son is the captain of the basketball team, which is just make sure he gets enough jump shots, will you? That's right. That's right. We're, he's a shooter. We shoot. We're not tall. So hey, <laughs> when, when in doubt, shoot and always, always remain in doubt. Let it fly. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is great. So what, what's next? I mean, what's, what's the next step up for the Service Express way? What are some of the things that you, you folks are working on or, or you know, in, in the leadership, what have you? Yeah, you know, so I mentioned our, our BHAG when, uh, when I was named president of 100 million uh, in revenue by 2020. And so we achieved that uh, at, uh, this year, as a matter of fact, officially this year. So a couple years early, wow. which is great. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And so we reset a BHAG for 500 million in 2025 wow. um, with the caveat of the Service Express way, meaning not to get away from the core principles that, that have gotten us here that we mm -hmm. believe will scale to 500 million and beyond. And you know, the, the, uh, the idea of setting a BHAG like that, it's really not about the number because I don't expect employees to say like, Oh yeah, let's, you know, be, let's, let's, let's be, have a bigger number for the sake of having a bigger number. Like that's not exciting. And so what we talk about is like, what are the opportunities that show up within that number? Mm -hmm. Think back to your goals, personally, professionally, financially, you know, we're a hundred million now. 
we, you know, it took us 18 years to, to 20 years to get there. We're going to do it again four more times in the next seven years. Like where are the opportunities that you see in that number that can go on your goals and how can we work together to make sure you take full advantage and be as much a part of that uh, as you can and you want to. And so that's where it really, really gets exciting. And the other thing is when we put a BHAG out there, it, it makes us question everything that we're doing now uh, business process wise and culture wise to say, will this still work? Are we prepared to scale at that to that level? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, that's okay. You know, if you say like this process will only work till 300 million, like I'm like, great. So you've got, when we project 300 million, say it's three years from now, like you have till then to figure that out, to fix that. Like don't run away from the problems, lean into them. And I tell, them, yeah. yeah, I tell everybody like you want the biggest career hack, solve problems and help people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I found. Solve problems and help people. Look, right. you want, you want to achieve things. It doesn't come to you on, on a silver platter. Right. You know, it comes to you as a challenge, as a problem. And you can either complain about it, dish it to somebody else, or you can get in there and be part of the solution for it. And in those who have been part of the solution over the years are the ones that continue to rise up through the company. And uh, you'll, you'll like this story. My, my son, so I mentioned basketball team. So his freshman year, right? He was competing for playing time and he was actually struggling a little bit, right? He was trying to grind through some things and they had a, they, he was playing point guard and they had one that was injured, another out sick and they were playing a really strong athletic team and everybody else, you know, his, the other two, his subs were sick or hurt. And he's like, Oh man, dad, like, you know, and we got to play this team. Like they're really good and athletic. Like, I don't know. And I said, I said, Kurt, man, this is called opportunity. Like, in basketball today, and this is what life looks like. Like, it doesn't come all wrapped up in a package. Like, oh, right. let's have you play against a really bad team so you can score a bunch of points and look good. Like, you're going to go out now and either make or break it with how you react to the situation. Are you going to lead through it? Are you going to compete? Are you going to give it everything you have, win or lose, and rise up to it? Or are you going to shrink from it? Right. And this is the stuff. This is life. So it's, sport. Yep. it's a freshman high school game today. It is my business world all the time. And, uh, you know, so I, I don't want to be those parents. That we, he rose up to it. Awesome. Uh, they lost the game. He competed hard, had one of his best games, ended up being starting guard through the rest of the season, named team captain, as I said. And it, that moment really launched him because we weren't even sure. He was struggling. Like, will he even play? Will he, you know, mm-hmm. will he make JV, let alone varsity, you know? Mm-hmm. And, he, and he rose up through that. And, you know, when you do those things, that's that grit. And I think that gives you confidence. You know, in the business world, too, when you solve problems and you can – work through challenges, you, you, you show yourself a little something like I can do this. And I've been through that. Like we can, look, we can go on another one. And so we enjoy the good times, but we're prepared yeah. for when those challenges comes and we try to embrace them as opportunity. So it, I mean, growth through adversity, right? I mean, yeah. that's just what you just said. How, how important is that as you look at your next BHAG? And before we close, I, I definitely want to jump into the BHAG because as hard it is for as hard as it is for probably you and I to believe there are some folks out there who have not read Jim Collins. Um, but, but growing through adversity, how significant is that? Not just getting through it, but growing through it. Well, it's everything, right? Because you're going to have adversity. We have adversity here. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything we do great today, we did really bad earlier, you know, earlier as a company. And so again, it's how did we figure that out? How do we solve the problem? How do we, how do we go through that? And you're right. It's not just making it. It's what are the lessons that we learned through there and, and not to be afraid to make mistakes. 
uh, you know, to fail forward again, as John Maxwell would say, is to put right. yourself out there, put it on the line. As long as you're learning, you get better from it. That's where the gold is. That's where the absolute gold is. Those who never put themselves out there or keep making the same mistake and, and never grow, they just keep banging their heads against the same wall. That's, right. that's where trouble comes in. Right. Too. But you're never going to go through a career, a life, anything without some adversity. And again, mm -hmm. it's, how, it's how you're going to look at it and whether you're going to you know, attack it and, and get through it and be part of the solution or you're going to shrink from it and let somebody else do it. Right. Right. And then the next time that comes around and it rears its head, you're, you can tap into the lesson that you learned the last time. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Like Bill's, Jim Harbaugh would say it builds like a callus, right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. yeah. It's that, that you can, that you can rely on. So. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about the BHAG. How, yeah. how long have you been using BHAGs? Uh, well, you know, really since 2000, since we read Good to Great and Built to Last, the, uh, yeah. uh, the Jim Collins books, you know, and so, um, so really, you know, we officially put together our BHAG in 2002 when I was named president. And again, we were 7 million. Yep. We said, we're going to be a hundred million by 2020. And I didn't know how we were going to do it. I mean, I didn't have a game plan to get me all the way there. We just said, that's our mindset and that's what we're going to grow to. And if we do double digit growth year over year, we'll get there at 2020. And so we put that out there, but then we set upon the journey one year at a time. I think that's the balance, right? You can't get caught looking so far ahead that it kind of spins you out or you forget to execute today or this year. Um, and so when, once we hit it, uh, we put together a, we put together a new BHAG. Once we knew we were going to hit it, we put together a new BHAG a couple years ago because we knew we were trending towards it. Mm -hmm. and, and it really, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like changes your mindset. It's like moves, moves the bar forward. I think keeps us engaged, keeps us sharp, keeps us looking at constantly improving um, everything that we're doing and all the things that eventually lead up to success. So as, as we start to wrap this up, let's tap into the teacher mentality in you. And you are, you are sitting in front of a, a group of, of young men and women who aspire to be leaders, not because it's the next step in their career, but because truly that's what they want to do is a pour value into, into others. And they're going to eventually have the responsibility of building and driving a culture and sustaining that. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say, you know, first and foremost, be authentic to yourself. Like if you're going to be a leader and build a culture, you know, if, look, if you hear this and the way we do it is not for you, don't try to, don't try to emulate it, right? Because it won't be authentic. And that's the first thing is be real and be authentic and, and build your leadership style and in your business, if it's through a business, through that. I mean, we grow double digits every year. Some companies don't want to do that. And that, again, that's fine. Doesn't mean we're right or we're wrong. That's just how we're wired. That's who I've surrounded myself with. So if I didn't do it now, you know, I'd have a big mess on my hands because I, I 450 people like want to be part of that vision. So right. I think be authentic to who you are, care about other people, Tina Mayberry story, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much mm -hmm. you care. Right. So you have to truly care um, about other people. And, and the other thing is don't ever give up. I mean, we've talked about challenges and perseverance and grit and what opportunity looks like. You just, there are just times you just, you just have to will through and not get up. And if you can work through those hard times, uh, you know, it's glorious on the other side. And I find that people who can't work through those, and so they give up or they change jobs every time something gets a little difficult, like those problems just follow you around because you never planted and work, work through them. So, you know, be authentic, care about others and, and other people and, and never give up.
those are three things that come top of mind. That's phenomenal. And Ron, if folks want to find out more about um, Service Express, the Service Express way, uh, connect with you, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, you know, Service Express website is serviceexpress.com. I've got a, uh, a personal website, uh, ronelvesteffer.com, where I do blogs just, just on, my, on my leadership, uh, uh, you know, um, kind of background and I'd say, say theory, but experiences and our take mm-hmm. on leadership through Service Express. I do video blogs on there. We're on Service Express as on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I'm personally on, on, on uh, and professionally, I should say, professional Facebook page, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram. Uh, we're, we're out there. If you Google us, you, you'll be able to find us. And Elvis Steffer is a unique enough name. <laughs> you should be able to see it. <laughs> and we will have all of this. If you go to the athleticsofbusiness.com website, and you can grab the show notes and all of this, the links to all of this information uh, will be on the show notes. And we would love to hear any, any uh, thoughts you have on this wonderful interview. I mean, I appreciate all your time, Ryan, and all your, your transparency and your stories and, and the value you poured into us today. It's been an absolute blast. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I love, I love you. I love your podcast. I told you just the angle that you take because athletics and business can be so similar in, in so many ways. And so I, I love uh, your approach to it all. And it's just enjoyable to talk with you. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And you take care. All right. Thank you for listening to the Athletics of Business. Be sure to give us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit theathleticsofbusiness.com. Now, get out there, think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness.